Senior executives know that to stay on top of your game, you need to constantly challenge and develop yourself. IMI's new senior executive experience delivers future-focused learning. Gain invaluable tools and insights in areas like organisation resilience and digital transformation to shape the future of your organisation. Visit imi.ie for details. Welcome everyone to another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by retired Vice Admiral Mark Mellett of the Irish Defence Forces. Mark recently joined us for a webinar on leadership and sustainability and today we'll be covering a few more topics around sustainability and how to put them into a leadership context. Mark grew up in County Mayo here in Ireland and has always had a love of nature and that's what really sparked his interest in sustainability seeing the changes that the Irish natural environment has gone through over the years. So Mark, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, Farah, listen, it's great to join you here. And it was great to have that um, chat recently with the uh, leadership series. I suppose um, I grew up in the West of Ireland. I'm, I'm 64 years of age now. So that was back in the late 50s. It was, um, things were much simpler back then. And I think my love for nature was uh, primed in those days we used to, be involved in a club called the Castlebar Ramblers Club and we used to go rambling at the weekend, uh, climbing mountains, long walks, all in nature. And um, I didn't know back then, I suppose, that uh, when I took a breath of air, I was breathing 313 parts per million of carbon. Today I'm breathing 420 parts per million. And it's that kind of cycle from those young years to today that has spurned my interest in um, sustainability. Um, but also, I suppose, my academic piece, I, I, I've done research into ecosystem governance and my professional side in terms of being part of the Defence Forces. And a lot of our time was operating off the coast of Ireland in very challenging weather conditions. And I've noticed myself over the decades, a general deterioration, uh, certainly on the uh, North Atlantic uh, storm track, where weather events are becoming more severe. And these are all linked back to the changes in climate. So um, that's really me in a nutshell as to why I'm interested in uh, sustainability today. Thanks very much, Mark. And I'm going to come to some of those specific sustainability and environmental concerns in Ireland a little bit later. But first, I want to hear from you. Do you have any steps that we as individuals and as organizations can take towards becoming more sustainable? Well, for me, I think... Um, been in tandem with the Climate Action Plan, we need to electrify as much as we can. Uh, generation of power needs to be, where possible, um, linked to uh, renewable energy. Uh, that's either on land in terms of uh, wind uh, turbines or offshore in terms of offshore renewable electricity, and the government have significant plans for that. So the more we can electrify, the more we can reduce the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere. And that means in our transport system, it also means in our home systems. Um, the second piece is we all need to play a part, I think, in biodiversity uh, regeneration. It's, it's really quite shocking when you look at the statistics with regards to the degradation in, in biodiversity. And you know, I, I've seen it myself in the maritime, significant vulnerable marine ecosystems that have been destroyed in my lifetime uh, and, and continue to be destroyed, destroyed today. Um, and the third thing would be in the whole area of, of um, I suppose, conspicuous consumption, not, not consuming uh, conspicuously. We, we actually overconsume to the point whereby there's masses of waste 
domestically and also in society. So I think we need to be um, recognizing that, that famous well-coined line, there is no planet B. We have a, a finite resource on Earth. And when I look at areas in terms of consumption, our, our absolute addiction to protein in terms of meat in particular is uh, something that is not sustainable. You know, there's no problem with eating meat, but I think the, the volumes we, we eat uh, are, are clearly putting a huge challenge in terms of the environment. There's a simple statistic there I often quote, um, you know, about 10,000 years ago, uh, human beings made up about 1% of the vertebrates in the world and 99% were wild animals. Today, human beings make up 32% of the vertebrates. The animals that they keep to feed themselves which are 67% and 1% of the vertebrates are wild. So that's the flip that's happened uh, because of the Anthropocene, because of people. Thanks, Mark. I think that's a truly shocking statistic when you put it into that kind of context about how many of the vertebrates on the planet are humans and are kept for human consumption as opposed to wild creatures. So I think that's that's really interesting. I want to come back to what you said about renewable energy. Do you think that Ireland has the capability or the potential to really switch to renewable energy and particularly wind power in the future? And I think that what we hear sometimes um, in terms of resistance is that what happens when the wind doesn't blow? How do we store that energy? So what would you be saying in terms of how Ireland can look to move towards this more renewable energy in the future? Yeah, and, and it's a great point. The wind doesn't blow all the time, but it, it's not it's not wind on its own. Uh, it's wind as a means of capturing trapped electrons and getting them into the system. And when you do that, um, you have so many options in terms of uh, storage of energy, the generation of green hydrogen, the capacity to capture carbon out of the air with new technologies, the ability to marry that carbon with green hydrogen and produce e-fuels that will actually power aircraft, will power certain plants that will never be um, possible to be electrified. So the, 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 the point is that we shouldn't look at um, points like no wind in isolation. We need to look at ourselves in terms of a networked integrated grid system. And we have those now with the, um, the interconnectors in terms of Celtic Link, in terms of Green Link. We have uh, technologies developing such as a supernode. We have a whole raft of um, a nascent uh, technologies coming, things like tidal, uh, like wave energy. Um, so going back to the wind energy side, the, when the wind uh, doesn't blow, you always have a swell at sea. And I can say that from my own experience of 45 years in the Navy, there is always a residual swell at sea. And that's suitable for um, harnessing into wave energy. On the wind energy side, we've been gifted with an extraordinary jurisdiction of almost a million square kilometers where we have sovereign rights. Um, and those sovereign rights belong to the people of the state of Ireland. That jurisdiction is significantly uh, capable of delivering masses of renewable energy. The government's program for 2030 is seven gigawatts of energy for 2040 up to 40 gigawatts of energy, and thereafter up to 2050, 57 gigawatts 
of a renewable energy coming from our jurisdiction. We don't need 57 gigawatts of renewable energy simply from the society in Ireland, but that generation will allow us to actually have those parallel vectors in terms of green hydrogen, in terms of e-fuels, and allow us then to become a, a, a completely sustainable, to reduce that 37 billion metric tons of carbon that society as a whole pump into the atmosphere every year so that we come to that point in 2050 of being effectively net zero or net negative. Um, by the way, just on this side, like I mean, we, we, we have had ambitions in the past and back in the early 20s, just after the state was formed, the, the, the government took a huge bet in setting aside almost a fifth of its GDP to fund a project called Ardna Crusher. That was courageous leadership. That was real foresight. And Ardna Crusher provided that electrification that allowed the, the state as we know it now to be born and for the industry to actually be established. 57 gigawatts of renewable energy is actually about 700 Ardna Crushes. That's the ambition. That's government's ambition. And I think we need all to get behind that in terms of our belief in our capacity. The issue of electrification, the issue of renewable energy is not a technical issue. The technology exists. It's actually an institution issue. It's about people believing it and actually collaborating to make it happen. Thanks very much, Mark. I think that really speaks to the potential that we have as a society, especially an Irish society, to work more towards sustainable and renewable kind of energy. And you mentioned their courageous leadership. So I want to hear from you exactly what courageous leadership is and how we as leaders within businesses can embody some of that courageous leadership in our day to day. Well, I, I mean, I mean, doing the right thing. We, we know that um, to, I suppose, arrest deterioration in the climate, the loss of biodiversity, we actually have to do play our own part in that. So we need to make decisions that actually uh, contribute to the reduction of carbon emissions. We need to make decisions that actually facilitate regeneration of biodiversity. And, and that starts with us as individuals, but it also means us supporting uh, policies that actually are certainly going in that direction. I think it's also a question about you know looking at trying to make things better and having the resilience to deal with vested interests that want the status quo. That that requires courage. And no matter where you lead, you know, you will always have um vested interests that want to protect their own uh, status quo, their own um, position of power. And I've seen it over the decades myself, where you drive areas like diversity and inclusion whereby you get resistance from homophobes or others who have their own extreme views. And um, the, the, the courage comes in continuing to persist, to actually ensure that those points, which are the right things to do, are progressed to make things better. Uh, courageous leadership is also about recognizing that uh, you need to cede power to gain power. And what I mean by that is you need to enable others to be leaders. Mary Parker Follett, an American philosopher in, back in the 1920s, she said leadership is not so much about the exercise of power, but the capacity to create that sense of power in those who are led. The real role of a leader is to create more leaders. 
So a courageous leader is not precious. They're actually often very humble individuals who are about enabling others to blossom and others to make the difference, others to be leaders, so that you have that principle of subsidiarity, that multiplying effect of a, a society doing the right thing. Thanks very much, Mark. I think that's really interesting, that piece of leaders being there to help other leaders in the future. And while we're talking about leadership, sustainability and diversity and inclusion are both very hot topics within organizations at the moment. And how do you think those two different topics relate to each other? Well, I think, first of all, we, we need uh, to overcome groupthink. We, we can't have business as usual. So for me, diversity and inclusion is a, is a hedge against group think. Somebody said diversity is about being invited to the party. Inclusion is about being asked to dance. It's, it's that ability to actually have a multitude of perspectives feeding into good decisions. So in the context of the challenges ahead, we really need to enable diverse perspectives to actually contribute towards the decisions that are required. Empowering all these perspectives means including all these perspectives across you know, the various categories we always talk about, culture, creed, ethnicity, sexual orientation, generation. It's, it's really about uh, empowering all those perspectives to be recognized, introverts and extroverts, um, people who are on the spectrum, giving them a, a capacity to contribute. In fact, we're all on the spectrum. And I often say that innovation and diversity are inextricably interlinked. In inclusion is the what I call the operational operationalization of diversity. Thanks very much, Mark. And another thing that you spoke about a little earlier was the kind of destruction or the degradation of biodiversity within the environment. And one example that we mentioned on the webinar a couple of weeks ago was the destruction of the coral reefs off the coast of Ireland. And obviously these are hugely environmentally significant structures. They took many, many years to build up to a certain level and since they've been destroyed. So when we think about this destruction of the coral reefs, whether that's due to a lack of legislation or the fishing methods that we used at that time, in retrospect, do you think that the destruction could have been avoided? I think it could have been. I think uh, it is an example of a, a vulnerable marine ecosystem that really is a, a significant contribute, contributor to the biodiversity that we used to have in our oceans. But the biodiversity in our oceans has been significantly degraded over the decades. A lot of that is uh, deep sea fishing methods that use very uh, heavy um, uh, groundhoppers uh, nets to actually catch fish in the deep ocean. And, you know, there is a certain about, uh, about not recognizing the value of these vulnerable marine ecosystem. A cold water coral reef, Lophelia poptusa, can take up to 8,000 years to form. It can be destroyed in minutes by a rock all hopper uh, foot rope on a deep water trawl. And it's not just a tragedy of the cold water coral destruction, it's the associated species such as orange ruffy, and, and when I was a kid, some of those orange ruffy uh, that were swimming off the West Coast were alive and swimming when Darwin was on the Beagle, uh, reflecting on the evolution of mankind. Those fish lived to be over 
200 years of age. And when you catch them, they're not sustainable. You know, you're, you're actually effectively mining. So I, I think one of the challenges in terms of uh, could, it, could it, this destruction have been avoided was a lack of understanding in terms of the importance of biodiversity. And what's not valued is not protected. That biodiversity, and that's my research question was, who owns biodiversity? Well, actually, biodiversity is, is um, you can't say anybody owns it, and yet everybody owns it. We are all, as individuals, part of a, a, a great ecosystem. There's an interdependency within that ecosystem. And when we destroy part of it, we destroy our capacity to actually survive as a species. Um, I, I've said in the past, there have been, you know, five significant extinction events. And if you look at the last two in particular, um, the dinosaurs and the reptiles, they weren't responsible for their destruction. In fact, they didn't know it was going to happen. And even if they did, they couldn't do anything about it. Human beings are different. We are responsible for the destruction of our environment. We actually have the capacity to actually know that if we go on the current path, it is potentially inevitable. Um, we have, however, the, the gift of uh, ex exceedingly rich intelligence and the technology to apply that, to actually make a difference and to arrest that decline. So the issue and the key point is, it's information, it's knowledge, and it's the application of that knowledge the creation of the technologies that will actually allow for sustainability to take hold. And the challenge is not the technology, the challenge will be back to institutions, back to leadership, and back to people and society. Thanks very much, Mark. There's a lot of food for thought in that, especially the whole concept of humans being so integrated with the environment and the codependency between us and our environment and the, the damage that we're doing to it versus how reliant we are on the world around us. And now to end off, I want to hear from you. How do you think the Irish government and governmental organizations can put in place some structures to help work towards a more sustainable culture in Ireland, especially given the current energy crisis? Well, I think the government are given great leadership on this. and. Uh... It is a challenge in the short term, some of the actual penalties uh, associated with the decisions that are required in terms of a uh, carbon tax, in terms of, um, I suppose, penalizing uh, activities that actually are contributing to carbon emissions. But, you know, for government, as for people, it's a time to be courageous. This is an existential challenge we are facing. So we need to move away from that tendency to succumb to short-termism, which unfortunately is a characteristic of the democratic cycle that, you know, governments are elected for four or five years, so therefore the programs are, are in, against that timeline. We need um, programs that are facing over five to ten decades. Sustainability decisions really have to be in, in that frame of up to 80 years or even more. So we see that in, in context of the recent government plan with regards to the development of offshore renewables, where they're talking out to 2040, 2050 and beyond. And that's that's the way we, we need to do, do it. But we also need to invest in transparency and communication in terms of the opportunity that is there. There is a, a green industrial revolution uh, open to us. We are in such a fortunate position here in Ireland to be able to harness the resource we have in terms of 
the renewable energy, the jurisdiction we have. And we can do that by stimulating a, a huge amount of employment around um, green technologies, renewable energy, energy parks that are producing uh, green uh, hydrogen uh, e-fuels, the capacity then to move into uh, the whole area of carbon capture and uh, carbon sequestration. And we, we need to stimulate constituencies, create an army, if you like, of like-minded communities who are interested in doing the right thing. Thanks very much, Mark, for joining us on the IMI Talking Leadership podcast today. Sustainability is so significant, both from an individual perspective and from an organizational perspective, and it will only grow in importance in years to come. So it's so important that we start thinking about it now. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You can follow us on SoundCloud or on your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.